On this episode of the podcast, Michael is yet again confused over Larry's preferences on video games. We have a really fun discussion on what makes a good short RPG. And we also come to the realization that Michael is a genocidal maniac and Larry is a pacifist. So on to the intro. Knowing little about this game before diving in made this an even better experience for myself. Undertale and its short runtime is funny, unique, and heartfelt all wrapped into a gameplay system that tries something new and overall succeeds. It is a worthy game to add to your backlog and a lot to give with multiple routes to play through. Undertale may be one of the more unique video games I've ever played. I found myself smirking more than a few times at some of the witty dialogue and let's call it cheesy humor. While all of this was good, the game seemed to continue to double down on a lot of this and it started becoming more and more stale as I progressed. With a bit more than three hours in and a maddening fight with a dummy under my belt, I pushed my mouse and keyboard away and perhaps I had more questions than answers. So Larry, let's talk about this so we get another tale under our belts. Welcome to Bits of Time, where we ask the simple question, is this video game worth your time? If there was a tale to be written about me, it would not be found under my bed. I'm Michael. <laughs> and I'm Larry. That was a good one. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So, are you ever going to beat an RPG, basically, is <laughs> what I want to know. <laughs> well, well, we'll get into this a little bit later. You have a question about, is there an advantage to the fact that this is a shorter RPG? And I do have an interesting comparison. I kind of feel like there is a, this is a movie to the TV shows that a lot of RPGs are. And there's a lot of benefits to that. I just, I couldn't get over the bullet dodging mechanics that this game became (laughs) when it came to like the, it's not really combat though. It's pacifism, I guess would be like a word I would use. I mean, it is the combat of this game. Yeah. Which you can attack by the way. But I think by game design they purposely made it very boring because it never changes it's just get as close to that center slit as you can and then you do damage and you pick up all these items that increase your damage but the attacks never change and I, again that's by design yes so what is it about expand on the tv movie thing what what do you, what do you mean so well it's just the idea that you can sit down with this game and go from the beginning, middle to end within a like two movie sequence where a lot of times RPGs nowadays, you have to commit 50, 60 hours of that. And that's like an entire TV show's length of commitment. I get what you're saying. And so that should be a benefit to me. However, just there's something about the quirkiness to this game that worked on me for a while. And then it just kept going and going. And I think the only thing that I'm maybe going to regret, and there's maybe room down the road for me to possibly play more of it. I don't know if I caught any of the sentimental stuff. I didn't get to it. I literally stopped. The last thing I did is I beat the, uh, it's a dummy that's like been controlled by like a ghost. And then that that weeping crying thing ends up replacing it. And then I took the duck and I flew over to the save point and I was going to drop off some of my inventory stuff. And I was like, man, I was like, the only thing I was like, there's a part of me is like, I kind of want to see it. This undying fight must be getting close because I've done two like runaway sequences at this point. But I, I just, I didn't have the, I just didn't have it. You said mouse and keyboard. Did you? Like- I, I played it on steam. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Interesting. Well, so <laughs> funny story with that. It's on game pass, right? 
But I purchased this game like three years ago on a summer sale. On, it might have even been longer than that. And I could not get myself to sit down and play with it on, on my Xbox. Because I was just like, I spent money on it. I got to go play it on Steam. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Mm -hmm. So Undertale was developed and published by Toby Fox on September 15th, 2015. It took me five hours and 22 minutes to finish this on my PlayStation Vita. So you're definitely continuing the path because I saw it's the average playtime with this is about a little over six hours, but they said then the completed completionists are about up to 20. Yeah. So, so you're still beating it faster than the most people. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I, I feel like I don't breeze through games either. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a second. But there's a quote from Toby Fox, which is really interesting, that says, even if I had a team of 100 artists, I probably wouldn't want it to look any different. Yeah, It's definitely a unique art style. It's this game, and this is not meant as a negative, it screams indie. Yeah, it, absolutely. And I think they're... I will give them this. There is something really, really unique when with the attack. Uh, whenever you're in battles, and again, I don't necessarily, I don't want to call them attacks. You're getting attacked, but your job is to figure out to dodge. Yeah, yeah. Use some psychology against them, whatever it is. And it's the difference between that little attack box and the dodging, and the way that they make things like break the actual what you think is the game is very clever, and they really do that with the art design in this game. So, I I mean, again, I had no complaints about that. So, I prefaced it in my beginning thing. I knew nothing about this. I definitely just killed everything I ran into. I didn't, oh, really? I didn't talk to them at all. So, I got a very bad thing towards the end. But uh, So, there, this game does have multiple routes. There's the pacifist route. There's the genocide route. And then there's the, I don't know what. Wait a second. Route. So, you didn't do any of the, okay, talk to this person. You didn't get to see any of the extra dialogue when nope. it came to. I just killed everybody. <laughs> Holy, so, I know. Well, wait, how in the world did you deal with the attack? Like, because that was so boring. It's I just, think it. I think it changed at one point. Maybe I don't it? remember. It's been a, it's been a little while since I played this, but yeah, I was. <laughs> I realized that there's a lot more. I was looking at some playthroughs, and I was like, "Wow, this totally changes the game." <laughs> Holy, I wouldn't have expected you to go that route. Yeah, and the ending when you get to that point, they make you feel real bad <laughs> about killing everything. So, and that's the part that I'm. I guess we're going to have to figure out on the podcast here how we want to talk about this because I kind of want to hear what they did. I don't know if I'm invested enough to actually ever go back. There's just too many games for me to play. But Even though you're more than halfway through? I mean, I guess. I don't know. Like where? So I beat the dummy. Does that feel like it's... I feel like that's pretty far. Yeah. Is Undyne the last boss? You die and you die? Is that you the, die, uh, know, like the... The girl knight armored thing? He sort of. Okay. Oh, maybe I was closer than I thought then. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I was like, you're almost there. Just power through. But uh, I don't want you to power through if you don't want to. That's the whole point of this podcast. So what is it that kept making you want to kind of plug through? Like, what did you like about the game, I guess? Like, what is its standout feature, I guess? Let's go that route first. I just think, one, it's short, so that's always a bonus for me. But I was actually pretty enraptured with the characters and the design and the quirkiness. That really hit me at the time of playing this. So maybe I can see. It's funny. I've been I, when I was watching some other playthroughs of it. Maybe it's because I've already experienced. It, I was kind of like, this is kind of hokey. But at the time, maybe I just wanted that. Yeah, it's weird, right? So I have like multiple different. I, I had. Uh, I th and there, it feels like it's tropey. There's like multiple different moments. That is it. Sans the skeleton. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
you know, he did a thing. There's a, more than a couple times where something happened in the game and I found myself actually laughing. I was like, okay, that's like almost dad joke material. But there's also like tropes to other video games. So like there's a moment in the game where Sans, you have to go back to the bar. McGrillies or something like that. Sounds right. Yeah. And he's like, here, I found a shortcut. Come with me. And so you run off screen and then boom, you're just in the bar. As in, like, it's almost like making fun of the fact that, like, you know, there, you don't need to backtrack. There's no reason for that. You know, <laughs> you do a lot of that in this game anyways. Yeah, yes, you do. Which I also had issues with that. But there was a lot of those type of bits of humor. Uh, there was a moment the... And that, that goes a long way with me, obviously, because I've talked about Shadows of Adam being funny, Paper Mario being funny. So maybe that is what drove me through that. Maybe because I play so many heavy games that this is like a, a breather. Sorry. Keep going. No, no, that makes sense. Uh, actually, I would actually argue then, like, the humor thing is something that is quite fascinating, right? Because, like, you know, yeah, we brought up in season one, Shadows of Adam, you always bring up Paper Mario is kind of being one of those. And humor is hard to do right. And technically, this game hits that. But I think this, this game, I feel like, has more of the... I'm trying to it, like the Borat or like jackass movie style humor where it's just constant and it's just it almost feels like it's forced at times at least from oh, yeah. my point of I view I can see that and I kind of like when it's uh, you know Sans will do something where he'll be saying some stuff and all of a sudden he'll just stare at the screen and he, he's like hey did you see that sort of thing I, I appreciated that stuff yeah that, I like that I like the subtle humor the just in your face constant stuff just drove me nuts and it just wore on me. And again, I think that's like a personal preference. So there's probably, again, this has a diehard fan base. Oh, yeah. And so, <laughs> really diehard. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, this is one of those examples of a game where I'm not crapping on the game for that. It's just from personal preference standpoint, it just didn't sit right with me. Do you think you just needed time away from it and then maybe you jump back into it? Is it a time and feel type of thing? Well, I mean, legitimately, that's what I did. I, I, played it for the first time i literally took i think about three weeks off i put an hour into it and then i put a little over two more hours into it i think i don't even remember if i told you my full play time but it was like three hours and 23 minutes i think and uh yeah i just i i found myself chuckling right like again most of my notes for this game are m related around just the subtle humor that did work for me. It's just the fact that I have about five or six listed and I played for three and a half hours, that was a lot of humor that didn't hit for me. And that's okay, a problem. that's a good point. So the battle system, intriguing enough, but not enough for you to want to do it? I well, I guess what stopped you besides the humor? Honestly, it was the bullet dodging stuff. I just got frustrated with it more than anything. Mm. Uh, there was a big part of me. I was actually disappointed and it, it, I understand why they did it, but you don't use your mouse for those things, which I, maybe that would have just made it too easy. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, you know, uh, I just, it kind of got to the point where it was just frustrating. Uh, and especially with the way, the route that I picked, there were multiple times, like if I guessed the wrong route, I spent two or three more times having to dodge stuff instead of you, you know, you're just attacking. And, and I'm sure there are times where I was able to finish a battle in like three sequences because... I found the guy like, okay, he, he wanted to have a flex off. And then finally he just, you know, ran off, which is cool. <laughs> it, was, it was random. But yeah, that was... See, and then, that would... I think if I played it that way, I think that would drive me nuts. I don't think I would have been able to finish it. Which again, maybe I need to just switch and start doing a whole bunch of just attacks. Because like even the dogs, right? There's a sequence where early in the game, you face like these two like dogs that are in love. And 
you're facing them and they're they're sniffing you saying you you're like a stranger you then have to figure out oh hey i'm gonna go roll in dirt and then when you roll in dirt and then eventually you have to allow them to either it's either lick you or sniff you and they realize you're a puppy and then if you give them a kiss they're like oh we got a kiss from a, a human that smells like a puppy humans are great and then they just run off mm. and it's just there's some it's almost like a trial and error type of thing yeah very much so and so it's interesting in persona 5 or in smt5 as well you can recruit demons and you have to go through it'll give you a sentence that they say to you and then you have to pick from options and you know if you hit the wrong one maybe they'll either flee maybe they'll attack you maybe they'll steal your health and i just i, I do not like that kind of style of game for recruiting monsters give me the pokemon thing where i have to whittle them down and then try and catch them that's easy i don't want to pick from arbitrary things where i have to know the monsters traits yeah it will and again the way that i played it it is very much there's a ton of that and i think sometimes there were some sequences you could kind of have an idea of how something would work based on the interactions you had right before the battle started but yeah i could see that but there's also a lot of times where you know one of the options is like hug or investigate and it's like it's just okay i'm doing this it's a wasted turn so that i can learn something new and you have to dodge again and so i have to dodge again and it used to drive me nuts and i, and I appreciate it by the way i think it was even the dummy fight that i brought up that i kind of stopped with you know they started using the dodge mechanics so that when you dodged uh his attacks they actually would go off the screen and hit him like things like that are unique that was cool i appreciated that and there was this whole game was filled with stuff like that there was uh a moment probably about two and a half hours into it where you have those uh you create bridges out of like these flowers that when you get four of them in a line they like yeah they bloom yeah and there's a sign sitting just in the water off to the side and i'm like okay i know how this game operates i know this is completely useless but i'm still going to do it to check and of course you check and it says congrats you just failed the puzzle (laughs) (laughs) i'm like okay that was cool like that type of humor is fun because it's expected yeah one of my favorite moments is you can there's like a pile of leaves somewhere. I don't know if you got to this area, and you can just jump in the pl- pile of leaves. I forget. I think I wrote down exactly what it says. Hold on. Yeah, so I did. Playfully crinkling through the leaves gives you determination, and so <laughs> like, <laughs> I think it raises a stat or heals you. I can't remember. They but. do that with the save spots a lot, where there's always something like if you save in a waterfall or you save in like they always say something like you're now more determined or you're more sanguine. Or and whatever. I love that they, Toby decided. To go the extra mile with those little things because i can see the little kid wanting to play in leaves that makes sense well you know the thing that was really entertaining i the part i laughed the hardest in my entire playthrough there's a i think it's i think it's called like onion song or something there's the octopus and when you're when you're getting done with either of these i think it's either the first or second time where you're having to run away from undone or however you pronounce her name where she's throwing a whole bunch of stuff at you and you're having to dodge you get to like this crystally area and it's in like a whole bunch of ice cold water and this giant like yellow octopus pops up <laughs> and literally the statement right away is like hey there i noticed you were here <laughs> and I was like, it's so random and the thing that was beautiful about that it was followed not that long after by that little like yellow like super fan of undyne and i thought that character was so cute because every time you interacted with him he would like when he was done He'd run away and he'd always trip and fall. And it was like this cute little <laughs> moment that would happen each time. Ugh. And again, I don't know all these characters' names, but. All right. 
Undyne is not who I'm thinking of. I gotta figure out who the <laughs> boss I'm thinking of is. Yep, so I'm taking... I'm <laughs> I'm thinking of a completely different boss. Uh, I can't remember where Undyne is, but yeah, as the Asgore is the penultimate boss. So I may be playing the game at a slower clip. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> you could be. I can't remember... Gosh, it's in my head for some reason when you said armor, because Asgore wears armor, and so disregard all that conversation that I had. Then. <laughs> well, hey, r real quick then, I'm actually curious, because, again, I'm pretty sure you don't have to fight Asgore, though, if you play pacifist. That's my... Oh, that, that would probably make sense then. Uh, the thing that I was wondering, because obviously I'm hyper-focused on, like, the first three or so hours of the game, and you can kind of take us into the rest. Did you solve the piano puzzle? I don't think so, no. Yeah, that's... Okay, so I ended up solving it. It's really clever, but then the most random thing on planet Earth happens. So when you're... You see the piano and it shows there's like the up, down, left, right arrows on the wall. Every time you play something highlights and you're like, okay, clearly this is a code. How do we do this? If you keep walking, eventually you stumble across there's a statue that has rain falling on it and you can put like a umbrella on it. And, but if you listen, it's like do 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 do. It's literally doing an eight chord repetitive thing, and I was like, mm. I bet, because it was not long after that. I was like, I wonder if this is it. So I went back over, and you had to kind of play around to figure out how to get it to work on the piano. But I got it to work. It opens the door, and then, okay, so uh, as soon as you open the door, there's a table that has like a, it looks like an item of some sort, which you find out is a legendary. Uh, how did they word it? A legendary artifact. When you go to pick it up, you get a text prompt that says, you are carrying too many annoying dogs. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I went into my inventory, and now my inventory, there's an, oh, the last free slot I had, it says annoying dog. So you have to, if you click in it, you all of a sudden pop a dog up, and then the dog goes and eats the artifact and runs away. <laughs> and it, Wait. That sounds familiar. Maybe I just watched that, but because you can go to like a dog village. and where. Oh, no, yeah. I, I didn't do that. But I was just like... What is the, like what? <laughs> it was the most random thing ever, and I think that's how I would describe a lot of moments in this game, at least for the first three hours. I didn't get to, and maybe you know you can bash me for that. I didn't get to like most of the sentimental stuff. I don't think, or I just wasn't connecting with it. But my first couple hours playing this game was just nonsense, <laughs> and I don't. I think the sentimentalism or whatever of this is overblown. To be honest, I think it's a cool twist if you are doing what I did and attacking everything. And, you know, it's just about connecting, the, you know, the monster world and the human world and how we're supposed to be hunting them. But we're not because we're a kid. And I think it, they just play into that. And if you go one route, you feel bad. One route, you don't feel bad. Okay. A little overblown. I don't know. I think it's cool. I really like it. I think this game's really good, too. But do you have a standout or favorite character? Oh, yeah, definitely. Papyrus, for sure. I like that guy. Yeah. He's such a goofball, man. It's kind of funny. This maybe just shows the difference between me and you then, because mine's a Sans. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like buddy They buddy. are very opposite, yeah. too. But he's just, I just love him. He loves spaghetti. It's great. If you uh, <laughs> take him on a first date, his like hold house. On, can, can I just say, like this is the randomness of this game. One of the things that you just said was he loves spaghetti. That is great. Like <laughs> That's, that's like a yeah, positive like, for his character. Yeah. I mean, he's a skeleton. Love <laughs> spaghetti. His room, he has like a race car in there, and that's like his bed, I think. <laughs> Were you able ever to, there's in his house, there's a room that has like a whole bunch of lights that are going. 
Were you able to ever get into that room? No, I don't think so because I don't think I, you know, I attacked him versus talked to him. Oh, okay. I mean, I didn't kill him or anything. I defeated him. I love his traps. They're so dumb. <laughs> it's great. That That's why I love him. He's just this goofball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually kind of, there was a part of me that, and maybe it's because I like doing those type of puzzles, but when it's like turn all of the X's into circles, like those things, I was kind of like, I kind of wanted a little bit more of that. I, <laughs> I always have fun because I always feel so smart, <laughs> even though I know everyone else solves them as well. But then, yeah, the, the bridge one, uh, that felt super predictable to me. Like when all the lights started going, he gave you all the rules. I'm like, okay, something's going to happen. Yeah, of course. Up. And I feel like, obviously, Sans is like the meme character. He, mm-hmm. You see him everywhere, and he was in Smash as like a costume or a helmet or whatever it is. But I like him a lot, too. Yeah. And I don't think... If you're coming out and say, oh, I recognize that character, there's a reason. He's he's definitely a standout character. Yeah, yeah. No, Papyrus was... I think I, the argument I would say for him would be, I almost feel like every time he's on screen, it's more memorable. Like, you know something ridiculous is about to happen with his character. True. So, yeah. So we're going all the way back to the beginning. What makes a shorter RPG worth playing? As you, I cannot figure you out whatsoever. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the advantage would be, uh, this would go back to my movie and TV show idea, but it would go to you can experience everything in a shorter session, maybe running the risk of not connecting to characters as much because you don't go on the journey as long with them. Okay, so you are playing a short RPG when you have a couple standout characters, Sans, Papyrus, that little yeah, but yellow little person that trips. But what is one of the big things on an RPG is the battle mechanics have to be fun. I didn't enjoy my time with the battle <laughs> mechanics. And I, I wasn't 100% all in on all the dialogue. It's humorous at times and it's crude and I got little bits of chuckle moments into it, but I feel like I needed more regular stuff. I don't know. So if this was just attack, defend, magic, do you think you would have made it to the end? possible it's i guess i see i don't get you yeah i know <laughs> we, we need to find like a well you know the funny thing about this is, is like so for instance like i love final fantasy 10 like it's kind of like my quintessential like rpg i go to is like hey i will play that game and i'll go through it i have no problem with that so it's not like i don't like rpgs it's just you liked seven you liked 10 mm-hmm. yeah i mean i like i liked watching you play eight i love the card system in oh, yeah. <laughs> <That> thing's <laughs> awesome uh, I tried 12 a couple different times, but whatever. That's going off the beaten path. Yeah, I don't know. It's just the writing wasn't my style for the game. And really, the battle system was the big one. I, If they could have come up... And again, that's what makes it so unique, though. So it's like I feel like you're taking away the identity of the game. Yeah. And I would never ask to do that, which is why I probably just won't go back to the game. Because people will love that. But that bullet dodge stuff... I, again, I know that's not the technical term, but that's what you're doing, basically. Yeah, it's like a shmup. In small form. A shmup? Yeah, like a shooter. Shoot em up. A shmup. I've never... <laughs> You've never heard that term? I've never heard it's that so, term. Oh, it's so big in the retro community. Man, I kind of like that. Okay, we'll have to start using that. Shmup. So, like, a game like... Uh, wow, I'm blanking. Like, is it Gladius? Gra- Grandius? Gradius? Where you have the ship and there's, like, the bullet hell. Okay, yeah. That's, that's Those are considered shmups. Gotcha. Hey, I learned something new. Yeah... I just, you would need to remove that for me to really, really, really get into it. And I didn't like the amount of just aimless walking, especially like when I got to the the town after 
it got a little tiresome for me. I was like, I felt like, and again, I appreciate it. They added the igloo for the shortcut so you can get from one side to the other. Okay, they, they tried, it's good. But it was getting a little bit like, okay. And like every character you talk to just had nothing but nonsense to say. I was <laughs> which like, is fun. I don't know. Which is true, I guess. And that's the that's why I understand I'm probably not helping my case here. But it just felt like I wasn't enjoying a lot of the dialogue. Therefore, it wasn't endearing to me. I wasn't like, it wasn't working as world building for me. Yeah, I mean, I think for a game this length, you know, it's a simple concept. You go into underground undertale and <laughs> the world building is pretty simple and then it's more about the characters just driving the world it's almost not even about the world itself right it's about the characters you meet along the way and that was enough for me to finish it i think it was, that was the- a very eric from the unlockables types saying you just said there kind of like the journey uh- oh <laughs> <laughs> shout out to eric uh i think it has to have a, a either if it's a shorter game, it has to have a very novel story concept, kind of like this, where it's more focused on the characters. But I also want it to be a complete experience. When I think of Shadows of Adam, when I think of this game, from start to finish, I feel like I did something or I accomplished something. This one was more about I got there and I saw the twist. Yeah. That was worth it. You know, in a weird way, I kind of feel like my logic is really backwards. But like in short games, because I know the story is going to start beginning middle end like really quick i almost need all of the components of the game to like hit right out right at the start oh i don't blame you on that one that makes sense but with a longer game i'm willing to be like okay i understand there's growth that's required here but at the same time you would think i need at least a lot of the core mechanics to hit i right think away about too. games that you put a lot about near automata for one how many hours did you put oh, in the, that the, the battle the battle system i i think i ended up beating it i think it was, it was either 34 or 44 hours for being at one time or 100% complete? 100%. Okay, so you that's a long time. That's thats an RPG length, let's say, mm-hmm. like a Chrono Trigger. And actually, it could be Chrono Trigger way fit faster than that. I don't understand. Like StarCraft II, that's a, that's a, that's a long campaign. <laughs> it's a completely like, different kind of game. Though. I know. I'm just <laughs> It's weird how, yeah, like Final Fantasy VII is long. That's like 50 <laughs> hours, 60 hours. Like, I don't know. I don't understand. I think man. it really... It matters story tone, what the overall arc of the story is, and just like a lot of the mechanics. Like I I don't always need fluid gameplay if the story is really good. But like, you know, use the example of Nier. I just don't even think it's fair to compare those. Like Nier is such a it's a really, really fine-tuned game as far as like the gameplay and stuff goes. The story can get really wonky in that one too, I admit it. But it also gives you an existential crisis. So it's I kind of <laughs> like stuff like that. Uh yeah, I think the lesson that we're going to learn is it's just, you know, it's going to take a couple more seasons for you to figure out my style. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, apparently. Okay, so without going into the ending, were you satisfied with the ending? Did you say this at the beginning? I don't even remember. <laughs> I can't remember either. Uh, yes and no. Okay, explain no without spoiling. And then explain yes. I like the end boss, even though it was weird. So I like that. But yeah, I, I get, actually, no, I did like the ending. So yeah, overall. Because it was just weird and just uh, out of the blue. Okay. That surprised me. And then I felt bad for what I did, killing all those people. Oh, so is that maybe why you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. It shouldn't have been the choice that I would have picked. But I have yet to go back and play this. Okay. So I, I even thought about uh, when we decided on this game. I was like, I had my Vita charge, everything. And I just didn't have the drive to go back. So I really like this game. 
but I have no desire to see the other endings. It's just kind of like this, a one-time experience. At this point, yeah. Maybe yeah. I'll go back someday, but as of right now, no. And I, whenever people talk about this game, oh, it makes you want to do another route. I'm like, mm, for me, no. You know, that was the one thing I did want to get into a little bit is the diehard fan base side of things. Oh, I, I will say this. Uh, that is just normally going to happen no matter the medium. Sports, movies, Oh, books, absolutely. Always happens. And I'm actually okay with that. We all do it. We all... There's a certain franchise that all of a sudden there's an announcement for it. You perk up a little bit more if it's something you're interested in. Where I don't like it is when you they get combative. And it's the point where it's like, let's say Undertale's a prime example. I'm sorry. It just didn't hit me the way that I know a lot of people are like, how could you possibly miss this? I get that. There are plenty of games that I love that people don't get. And I'm kind of like, I feel it. But I'm never going to go like, dude, you're an idiot. You didn't get this <laughs> and this and this. That's where I have the problem with it is... Be a super fan of something. Awesome. All for that. I'm like that as well. But don't bash people who don't yeah. aren't super fans. That's and, where I have the issues. Yeah. It also turns into gatekeeping, which I've never understood that. Agreed. You yes. love something so much, but you don't love it as much as I do, so get away. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> that or, you know, how dare you try the second game in the series instead of the first. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I know. And obviously, we would not be podcasting together if... I took offense to every game that I love that you dislike. But by the way, you are technically allowed to take offense. You can do that. that yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. And I'm but sure, it's pretty silly to me. Yeah. It's just you should be able to talk about your disagreements or your differences, excuse me. Yeah. So would you say – I've always – because we've done this with a different game. I think it was Monster Train. I said – it's not worth it for me, my time, but I could see I'm like in the in-between. Is that what this one is for you? Like, Yeah, th this is a prime example of an in-between where I, I would argue, I would put it this way. There are some games we've played. You know what? I, I don't mean to bring Star Fox up, but Star Fox Season 1, right? I hated the game, and I legitimately don't understand how anybody on planet Earth could like that game. Now you're sitting across from somebody that doesn't. I know. Again, I don't understand. This game is an example of a game. It didn't click with me. But I totally get why you would like this game. Okay. Yeah, and so, that's kind of why I figured you sat. Yeah. And I, and I feel like that's kind of like a boring place to be, but that's just what not it really. is. I can't, I'm not, I can't force myself to hate it. <laughs> I mean, the cool part is if you're listening this far, thank you for one, you know what stopped you. So if you're mm. thinking, if you've never played this game, you're like, well, I like this type of humor. If you've seen Sans on the internet, you're probably going to like this game. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like, if you see the trailer for this game, which I watched after, it was kind of funny, while I was kind of just trying to put, collect all my notes together, after I decided I was going to stop, I watched the trailer. Watching it, you know what you're going to get watching that trailer. When I watched it, I was like, this is not a game I would have played. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it, it's, you know if, you're, if this is your style of game. You know, that's a good question. If I saw a trailer for this... I don't know if I would have played it either. I mean, I went in very blind. I just heard people praising it, which, good job, Internet, for doing that. Oh, my that. gosh. Have you seen its Steam rating? It's, like, ridiculous. It's one yeah. of the highest rated games on Steam. What? Yeah. What do you think it is? We've done this quite a few times now. It's an, This is an indie that has one of those very, very successful stories developed by a small team. I think this one was just two people. It was Toby Fox and I think he outsource something else. I can't remember what it was. Music or something. I don't remember. What do you think people are looking for in these smaller games that make them so popular? I, I think I would put it this way. One, it's I think it's just uniqueness through and through. There are 
the indie space is allowed to do things that AAA games aren't doing right now, or at least haven't been doing. I feel like that's... This could, maybe this will come back. I mean, I feel like the AAA space is kind of winding up into it's hitting decently well. I think. Yeah, they have their their staples, right? Yeah. But the problem is, is because of how expensive game development is nowadays, they need kind of to do trusted, guaranteed things that are going to work. And so the indie space, you're allowed to get all this kind of just funky, just different. They can experiment. You know, a prime example is... Uh, uh, Josh Sawyer, the guy at Obsidian, he was basically just, he told Microsoft he was planning on leaving if they didn't allow him to try Pentiment. He wanted to do something quirky. He wanted to try something different. And it wasn't AAA. You needed a million people in a gigantic studio. And they gave him, they gave him the right to do that. And I thought that was interesting from someone who usually did quote unquote AAA style games. There is that out there. There is even, he's a prime example of a uniqueness and refreshing nature to uh, indie titles that you don't get in the AAA space. And I think that's a lot of why so many people like them. And I feel like when I think of indie games, I think of them doing one concept and boiling that down to something really easy to explain and then expanding on that concept just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I mean... (laughs) People champion indies because it's not AAA. I, I feel feel like that definitely happens nowadays. You know, indie is the better thing. If you don't play indies, you're not playing. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever. That's gatekeeping in another form, right? Well, the, the really common thing that I see happen a lot now is unless it is console war related, like, you know, God of War versus whatever, or, you know, Sony versus Xbox. Uh, there's a lot of people who they will push indie titles just because they're indie titles and they're not AAA. And that doesn't mean that they're not like worth it still, but it's sometimes it's, you can like a game, an indie title and have it be your game of the year, but you can also realize that, okay, some of these AAA games, they're just gonna have more stuff and they're going to be a have a wider audience and you just don't have a shot at winning. Yeah. Undertale is one of those few games that I feel like got really wide because how one, it was really cheap really good price point to start at that also helps i think indie games you know low investment i know i'm gonna ask this this is gonna be one of those predetermined pauses in the podcast real quick how did it sell (sighs) okay i've always wanted to do this mike so now i'm just gonna go and just pretend that you found this immediately oh yes no time warp in its first year it sold 530,000 copies for an indie which is crazy by early february of 2016 it surpassed a million copies and by t- estimated in 2018 July, Ed, helicopter flying over our house. That's very loud. <laughs> in, Ju- in July 2018, the game had an estimated total of three and a half million players on Steam. Oh, okay. So it is made a lot of money. And you can almost kind of see like the word of mouth spread with that game. Yeah, over two years. Yeah, yeah that's that, pretty cool. That's pretty wild. And I know this game was priced at like five bucks ten bucks somewhere around there and then you know they had the physical copies through fan gamer so yeah i think he yeah, did very very well for him i was just gonna say obviously development he him making it itself the development price could not have been that much so so this is pretty interesting and on reddit it says putting undertale sales numbers in context it approximately sold 6,680 units a day for half a year Woo. which is Wild. So, and to put in context, they had, at the time of this Reddit post, it had sold 1.3 million copies. Life is Strange at the time was 1.2 million copies. Witcher 3 
was at 1.4 million. That's 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 pretty wild. Yeah, it's incredible. And I mean, look at the development. Like for Witcher Three, the development cost for a game like that, like there's just oh, no gosh. comparison. Granted, there's difference in how much the games cost, but still. Oh yeah, I mean, this game was way way cheaper. And I think honestly, price point is probably what helped this game a lot. Obviously, the very positive reviews. You know, it being a novel concept, doing something different, runtime. Like there's so many factors going into this that I could see why you'd pick this up. One, it's got unique art style too. Like, oh yeah. Different style, style RPG, people are gonna eat this up. And they did. On to the quick bits before the final question. I did the genocide run. I didn't know what I was doing, I'm sorry. Waterfall on the OST is a very wonderful little track. You should definitely listen to it. Maybe it'll be in the music in the background. I have no idea. This game has been memed to death, but honestly, the characters are pretty great, so I think you should still play it. And the simple concept of trying to get out of the monster world is compelling for a little kid. So, yeah. And with that last point, we're going to go on to the end of episode question here. And again, we've both brought up the attacks in this game. The battle system is quite unique. And so, Mike, I want you to design a special attack for both you and I in this game if we were characters within it. What would we do? It doesn't have to be an attack. Just something. So your uh, genocidal maniac doesn't quite understand this, I don't think, as well as the pacifist <laughs> in me. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I would, my move would be called collection toss. I'd throw a stupid amount of games at my <laughs> foes, and the ultimate upgrade would be me dropping my stupidly heavy CRT on them. <laughs> okay, I like that. Uh, your... Well, here, hold on. I'll say mine with you then. Okay, so cool. I actually didn't name mine. I just said... For well, you, that's low bar. I know. Well, you could maybe help me out here. I said you would write words of wisdom onto a piece of paper to boost morale. Hmm. So you would use your writing skills. So every time you did it, there'd be a different line of dialogue that oh, you kind of creatively. That'd be freaking Throughout sweet. the entire game. Uh, wow, I don't got a good name for it. Pen up. There you go. Pen up. <laughs> <laughs> your turn. Uh, yours is going to be real quick. You'd engage in a talk to your enemies. So you'd talk with them. And two hours later, they would be in a confused state at being duped by the longevity of the, of the talks. Uh, that's, that's very true to life. It's kind of funny because mine is literally, I would debate their points of view to better align their senses in turn to making them better or worse decisions. Oh, look at you. Yeah. So we kind of ended up going with me and my talking. Yeah. So uh, if this is your first episode, actually, we probably never talked about this. When we call each other, I'll be like, real quick, what can I, uh, let's talk about Hello. this. Like, when you call me, I'll be like, oh, do I want to pick this up? <laughs> <laughs> and it's usually, this real quick turns into half hour, two hours. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> I, I do, I will 100% just honor it and it's me. I talk too much. Not always. But I yeah. circle talk too much too. So. Like, I, I can never make a point. <laughs> Thank you so much for making it to the end of the episode. This tale was served a little cold for Larry, but I found it pretty heartwarming. I hope you align with me and play some Undertale. Maybe under your bed, under your blankets, whatever you want to do. Stop. Doodaloo. <laughs> <laughs>